You are listening to episode number 34 of the Fit Successful Dad Podcast. You know, I like to interview people um, of all different types of brand building, you know, different levels. And included in that are people who talk about a lot of the, the sexy parts of, uh, of being an entrepreneur, you know, like having um, huge revenue numbers, millions of dollars, you know, things like that. And, uh, and it's cool and it's definitely relevant and it's inspiring to hear when people like every day, you know, moms and dads go from working a nine to five job to building a brand that's doing millions of dollars in revenue every year. And I, I love interviewing people like that because of the inspiration that comes from it and the motivation, right? But there are a lot of pieces to that that a lot of people don't understand, and myself included. And that is like the, uh, the, the deep, deep analytics of what building a brand really entails. And there's some... There's some stuff that goes on behind the scenes from the social standpoint, ad standpoint, traffic generation standpoint, SEO, you know, search engine optimization standpoint that often goes overlooked or often isn't understood even a little bit. And today's guest is a, a guy named Yev Marosinko, and I met him online through a mastermind, and we went back and forth for several months before I was able to get him on the podcast. And he is a, he's a father, he's an entrepreneur and he does a, a, a lot of things, but mainly lives in the world of analytics and all the stuff I just described. Now, recently after I interviewed him, but before the airing of this interview, I learned that one of the brands he was working with went from an Amazon only, you know, e-commerce type of of presence to being available in Ace Hardware stores kind of around the country. So if you've never heard of Ace Hardware, it's a huge hardware store chain and it's national and one of the um one of the type of approaches that he used for one of his clients, he was able to take from you know, just an Amazon only type of thing, which is really, as far as traffic generation, is very, very simple because the traffic's already there. Uh, he went from that to being available in in a store. But that that transition is very difficult. It takes a lot of time. Takes a lot of brand allegiance, and it takes really, really clever and and cunning ad utilization. And he gets into some of the strategies he does now. He again, he didn't. He wasn't there when I had this interview with him, but a lot of the strategies that he used to get that brand there, he does talk about. So uh, it's a really cool interview. It's going to be kind of an opportunity for you, if you're into this, to kind of geek out on the analytics side. Um, now, I'm, I'm personally very interested in this. Maybe that's like the, the tech guy in me or whatever, but it's an opportunity to learn about some of the analytics stuff and some of the, um, some of the SEO stuff and the ad and social part of this that makes up a massive piece of what makes this whole business model work. So enough of my rambling. Let me turn it over to Yev Marosinko. Okay, 
So, Yev Marosinko, thank you so much for joining me. I really, really, really appreciate it. And it's funny, too, because we had plans, I think, to have this interview. Gosh, it must have been, I think it was February 7th or February 9th or something. And now it's late April. So it's been a couple of months. And I'm, I'm really excited to talk about the reasons that the interview got postponed. Uh, but before we get into all that stuff, uh, why don't you just take a couple minutes and tell everybody who you are and what has you excited right now? Yeah, thanks, Gordon. I'm happy to be here, especially after you're right, having the delay a couple of times. We almost met up once, but then that got, got the yeah. phone as well, so I'm extra looking forward to this. And well, right right now, I'm I'm really excited about you know in, in this direction where I feel like I've been searching for the path for quite a quite a while, but it's getting closer to that feeling where I'm on the path, so I can actually take action and create more momentum while before that it was always trying to search and find and it happened to be timed with having a one-year-old baby and then that <laughs> makes things from one perspective you feel like you're a lot more busy you have a lot more responsibilities but then you also have these opportunities of evaluating how things are happening and kind of things in your life so it kind of like good things happening together yeah yeah, so I, uh, I I think let's see when we were originally supposed to have this interview, you were a at the time you were a data scientist for a company. Am I allowed to say the name of the company? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, so it was on the grid. That's correct, right? In Seattle, the Seattle area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I so I was uh, it was more of a marketing manager, and then the the data science, data analytics is the angle that it's really kind of focusing on data-driven marketing and it was for a, a a marketing agency okay so that was a at the time it was a it was just it was a full-time job that you found yourself involved in did you were you involved in um starting like did you just apply to that job how'd you end up in that position yeah so this it it's actually part of my entrepreneurial journey where <laughs> there was for the past two years, that's where I discovered I was an entrepreneur. So you actually, you might ask this later, but it kind of feels like related to this question. And during that time, that's when I discovered all of these different ways of, of creating impact and kind of doing, doing more. And being an entrepreneur and trying things on my own, it, it, it wasn't really working out. There's like a lot of things that were failing and it was a time when I was basically struggling and going through this like career upgrade or career change and occasionally I kept out like, well, what's the market out there in terms of what kinds of skills do people need, what's out there? And I, it was a job that I saw out there and it fit perfectly to me because there was data experience, there was some marketing experience, and it was doing a little bit of everything. And I thought, oh, that's perfect. That's exactly me. <laughs> I can't do one thing really well. I can do a whole bunch of things. So it was a smaller company, and it was kind of in that role where uh, lots of different responsibilities. And I uh, applied for it. It was a great meeting. It was a very kind of relaxed environment and had freedom to create impact that I, I could contribute in, in any different way that I wanted. So it wasn't really structured. And got hired right right away and that was for that company okay so that's so that's pretty cool so you you had some entrepreneurial endeavors some things some projects you were trying to build uh prior to that point right leading up to that point 
and then you saw that position with on the go or on the grid, excuse me. Uh, and you got involved in that and that, that position allowed you to kind of delve into things like uh, building out funnels, setting up analytics and, you know, uh, conversion optimization, stuff like that stuff. That's very applicable to say an Amazon based physical products business. Does that sound correct? Yeah, exactly. We were working on it was comprehensive marketing strategy. It was from start to finish. So it, it depended what the client needed. It could be building out a funnel or setting up analytics. But it was it was a great experience for me because I saw of everything from start to finish and all of the things related, where it was branding or PR, social media, how all of these different things fit in. And then depending on the client, where we were working with with Microsoft and kind of funded startups in the area where we were kind of either consulting for them or implementing the different marketing for them. And some of our clients were in e-commerce and on Amazon. So that was opportunity to work with different types of products or services or physical products. So that, that kind of funnel optimization, and I was able to really use my data skills of taking lots of different, different information that exists out there and try to simplify it into whether it's a marketing strategy or optimizing the customer journey to kind of create value for them and kind of take them take that next little step of either, either getting more information or purchasing a product or a service. So that was perfect opportunity for that, especially from like an agency experience that you're trying to do it at kind of a, a growing scale of multiple clients. So you see a variety of things of what people are working on. Wow. Okay. So that's really cool. So you spent a, it sounds like a good amount of time focusing on the whole back end part of, um, of, of what a lot, what a lot of these people do. So I interview a lot of people here on this show and a lot of the listeners tend to relate well with them. Um, these people who have physical products, brands that they've built, and they don't talk a whole lot about, uh, partially because I don't ask about it, but we don't, we don't talk a lot about the analytics behind it. We don't delve too deep into that. Um, I know a lot of people get overwhelmed talking about that stuff, thinking about that stuff, and especially you know, trying to actually break it down and understand it and implement strategies. And that seems to be where your, your major skill set lies, or at least it did when you were at on the grid. Um, so what has happened since you worked there and developed all those skills and got all that experience? Uh, what has happened between then and now? Where are you at now? How are you using those skills and what else are you doing outside of that, if anything? Yeah, and so one of one of our clients uh, during my time at On The Grid, which uh, they really ended up liking me. They ended up having kind of extra funding, went through a fundraising, and then they basically ended up hiring me full time. So this is, uh, we're, so the company is Heroclip and it's at, it used to be known as Lulabop, and then some of the products were Clipter and Cliplet, and it's for uh, actually branches in many different verticals. We, we can talk about that later, but it's being able to uh, focus in one area. So that's what what I'm doing now. While, while before it was for many different clients, so all of these different strategies, tactics, different implementation, it was in a way diluted. So that's something that I was trying to evaluate myself, you know, how am I, whether I'm building up my own personal brand or what am I doing that's adding up to something larger. And 
I felt like it was very diluted. It was across many different projects, many different clients. But now it's all focused into one goal where it's growing one product, one brand, a particular type of audience that will have value from it. And all of these different skills and strategies, tactics, tools that I've learned and implementing analytics for it is now I can do it in one area. So anything that I'm doing, even though you would think it's kind of all kinds of different marketing campaigns, different types of projects, they all add up to one thing. So separately, they're going to have a, a compounding effect because they're all complementing to each other. So one thing that I'm really excited about that I can do everything I was doing before, but at a bigger scale because it's focused in on just one area. And there's lots of benefit when separate campaigns you're working on or separate projects or whether it's branding or PR, or social media, different media channels, at some point they're all they're going to be amplifying each other. And so that's something where I have opportunity now to be able to to do that, do separate things that combine and help each other out. Uh, can you, okay, can you give me or us an example? I like what you just said. So you have all these different pieces that you're working on for a particular brand and how they all end up complementing each other and accelerating each other and amplifying each other. Can you give me an example of how the the pieces that you work on uh, would do that for a situation like a physical products brand for Amazon, like one particular Amazon seller? If they came to you, what would you, what would you, what would that whole portfolio look like for that particular seller or that particular entrepreneur? Yeah, absolutely. And the answer may be a little bit different if you're just starting out and have absolutely nothing because the answer for that would be you have to focus, start off just with one thing, just, you know, just posting on social media or kind of growing your audience in just one area. That, that would be that answer. But right now where we, we have some resources, we, we have a little bit of marketing budget, so we know that we can do these other things. And that's where if you go to a marketing agency, they're so specialized where there's one that's doing the SEO, one is creating your content or doing the Facebook advertising or kind of helping in your, the e-commerce side. They're kind of like distributed in different areas. But if you think of one campaign from start to finish, there are multiple touch points with a the customer. There are multiple uh, aspects over time when your potential customer or current customer is going to be engaging with your brand. So one example of how it's, it's comprehensive across all of these different areas is that Let's say you, you have one blog post and don't even think that you kind of have 50 different blog posts, but it's just like one. You have one on your website and it's about a topic that your audience is interested in. You could take a section of that blog post and create a social media post about it. So you're repurposing that content. So now you're in social media. You're using language where you know people that are on a social side that they may interact with. So you, you could, you're going to have to change the, the headline or the image that you're using, but kind of from a social media perspective, again, it's the same content. Somebody clicks over to that, they, they go to your full blog post, they're reading, you, engaging with your blog post, and then there may be related content. It could be an upgrade on that content, which maybe you have a, some sort of email capture where they sign up for the email, and then when they receive an email, either as a, a welcome or a thank you, that content is related to that blog post and that social media that they saw initially. 
if there, there's a follow-up, some sort of retargeting ad, let's say they didn't purchase anything, whatever product that, that you have, that, but they signed up for kind of to receive extra content from you or special announcements or offers, the retargeting advertisement would have all of that journey in mind because you know exactly what image you shown in the original ad out of uh, multiple tests that you were doing. And then what, ad, uh, what content they saw on your blog and then what email they received because you could be split testing different emails as well. And you know that there's one particular one that was open more often depending on the subject line because it, it, it related to what the blog post is about. So then your retargeting ad is related to that as well. So all of these pieces, they all have to be linked to each other. It's not separate where, yeah, we're going to be doing social media or we're going to be doing advertisements or PR. Let's, let's get our name out there in a bunch of magazines but without a goal. That PR, it should actually be to a specific URL to that exact article that then you can show those retargeting ads that relate to all of your other campaigns. So, so that, that, that's one example. And if I bring in Amazon specifically into this, it's where... Anytime we do mention the product, it's very specific to where we want to amplify a listing, meaning we just want to get people to see that product, to, to, to buy it, to give signals to Amazon that people are interested to, to this product, they're clicking on it, over time they may be leaving reviews as well because they like the product. So it's all, all of these efforts are contributing to kind of that one goal. So it's multiple campaigns that are all contributing to one thing rather than Many times someone goes to a marketing agency or they, they say, they, oh, I need website traffic, and they think it's five or seven different things. So it's trying to piece them together. And then usually where I bring in my expertise is, is measuring data to show all of that and connect that with data. That way we know what's happening at the beginning. That way what we're doing later is based on that journey beforehand. Okay. Wow. <laughs> it sounds quite a mouthful. <laughs> um, I think I understand a lot of it, though, and I... I want to kind of unpack a little bit of it. So one of the things I liked that you said was uh, you repurpose content. And I've heard of that strategy before. And I think it's, I think personally, I think it's great because you can kind of find yourself uh, providing content to all of the platforms that you want to be on using the same foundational piece, I guess, like the same, you know, maybe like you said, tweak the headline, change the image a little bit. But for the most part, the meat, of that content piece is the same, right? So it sounds like you guys use uh -huh. that strategy a lot. Um, yeah, absolutely. And actually my favorite part about that is because there's this conception out there that you need to always producing more content and a lot of content, which when you know entrepreneurs or, or marketers, business people end up doing that, it ends up being a whole bunch of low quality content and they think they need more and more. But with this idea of repurposing, you could have just one high quality piece and do so many things with that. You could turn it into an infographic, add content to it. If you're having uh, different experts or guests or some sort of roundup, you can add that into that one piece and continue repurposing it. And it still adds to that goal, that mission of that one article or theme rather than just like continually thinking you need to produce completely new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and for those who are listening, who, may not necessarily know what we're talking about when we, when we say content, we mean, uh, let's like, like Yev said, just to, just to elaborate a little bit. Um, it might start as a blog post that is a piece of content. And if you make a really quality killer blog post that actually has, uh, you know, quality images and quality, you know, 
content, whatever it is you're talking about, whatever whatever uh, you're trying to explain or talk about uh, in the blog post to the to the viewer to the reader, um, that can be repurposed and put into with with a little bit of love it can be put into um, like a, a twitter outlet or it can be put into a an instagram outlet a facebook outlet um the list goes on and on right yev yeah yeah for sure and again i want to caution that if someone is either in the early stages or starting off or just kind of trying to whether you're expanding from outside of amazon and you're trying to build a channel you do want to focus on just one of those if you have resources or you're being able to outsource or have a team then you could pursue these other things or you know 10 percent of your time try these other things but try to focus in on just kind of one of those media channels that you, that way you can create an audience within one area at least initially right yeah it doesn't make any sense to try and build this huge social media following around a brand that has one product it's probably not fiscally reasonable to do that either uh, so um at what point would you recommend people try to get involved in the and kind of raise you know level up their their brand to this this point where they're investing into all of these social media platforms instead of just focusing on the one? Yeah, this is where you have to have some foundation pieces in place, and it could depend on how much resources, time, how many how many how many people or the size of your team, but you want to focus in initially until you're able to try all of these other things. So whether it's 10% of your time, you could be very experimental. So it's kind of like through through Facebook ads, there's so many different things, Facebook advertising, that you're not sure what's going to work, but you can't just try only one thing and then it's never working and you think, well, Paid advertising doesn't work, but you have to try all of the different objectives, but make sure that's just a small percentage of your time that's distributed across all of those experimental things. Whenever something is starting to gain traction, so if you're on Amazon and you're having success, that could be that one thing that's taking up 80% of your time, you know it's working, and then you can try to branch out in these other things. If you're not even, Amazon isn't working, then just focus on it until it's working. So you can't kind of branch out into something else without having something else work because you kind of you need to build up that momentum. It's a whole different thing if you've tried something for a long time and you've pivoted across it in different ways and and it's not working. But if you're doing it over time, having success, and then if you have resources where whether it's investors or that cash flow is coming in or you're able to delegate it, whether it's someone you can pay that could take that task from you and it could be some sort of service or contractor and maybe you pay a hundred dollars or five hundred dollars a month or it could be several thousand dollars a month if you have that then that's when you want to start when you have that capacity to see if if it's going to work and it may not that's why you have to try these other strategies whenever you're able to where, where you know that's not where you, you can do something beyond just amazon or if you're on shopify and you have one channel that's working that maybe it is just Facebook, well, that's when you can try some of these other channels to complement, whether it's the email marketing, the social media, influencer marketing, and the PR. So I would say it's after you, you definitely need initial traction to be before you're able to try these other things. Well said. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't make sense to overcomplicate it early in the process when you're not quite up and on your feet yet. So, um, okay, cool. So you are, you're running this, you know, this, um, 
this poor, I guess this portion of the business, right? You have this, you know, this thing going on. Are you, are you involved in any, um, any physical products brands yourself? So when the, the answer is that, so right now I'm the, I'm the director of e-commerce and growth analytics here. And all of my focus went towards this because there's, there's basically, there's no ceiling for growth. So any type of effort that's somewhere else, it feels like it's diluting what I'm able to do here. So everything that I was working on before, it basically got put on hold. I'm not working on it anymore. And that's where my entrepreneurial journey, it, it started two years ago, or at least when I became aware of it. And that's when I started my own Amazon brand and tried, tried to figure out how to do all of this. So I mean, it's fairly recent, only two <laughs> years ago. <laughs> and that's when things weren't working. But they were slightly better when I look back one month. Oh, I'm actually doing better now, even though like overall it's not working. And over time, that growth led to other opportunities and then the, the, the position at on the grid. And then so over time, things that when, when I was looking at it at the moment, it seemed like it was failing, like my own, my own brand or, or there's different clients that we had with a physical product as well. And some are working well, some are not working well. And you look at it and it's, you kind of have to look over time to know if it's a, if it's a success or not because as as an entrepreneur we're so critical and trying to improve or grow and when you look at where you are now you're like oh i could be doing so much better but that's at at the stage right now but if you kind of see in hindsight well where was i 3 years ago like oh my gosh like i i can't even compare so you kind of have to have that perspective no, so, but, yeah, <laughs> it's really tough to look out way into the future and and not you know not be impatient uh, for sure. So okay, so you are no longer running Amazon brands right now. You're you're solely focusing on this this position. Uh, where do you see yourself kind of going forward? Like you know, looking out a couple. Of, I hate to ask the question. You know, where do you see yourself in five years? But um, it, that in, in this case, I think it's legitimate. Uh, so looking out, you know, a few years from now, where do you kind of see yourself going? Yeah, and even though I'm not working on my personal brands anymore, so we are on Amazon where we are right now, so just to kind of make that clear. So we are kind of very specific on Amazon and doing as much as we can to grow there and the audience outside of Amazon. But one thing that there's, it's really cool right now is that I can work on the company brand and the personal brand. So whether it's my my expertise as kind of knowing something about data or analytics, I am always having opportunities to, to bring that up and help other, whether it's marketers or different brands. And that's where in the long term, the, the company, it's, it's, it's a case study. We're really trying to make it grow. And right now we're doing really well where we're fortunate to have investors. We have an excellent fundraising round and, that really kind of shows the projection where, well, we can actually in a certain amount of years have a really good chance of either somebody buying this company or kind of growing this company in a way which is going to be at a, at a really big level. So in that case, my answer would be, well, for, for part of this brand, we can scale it up extremely big. I mean, it's it's already popular. It's in popular retailers. There's a lot of growth. So we know that in several years, it could be at that level where we're acquiring different companies as well. And I'm, I'm a big part of that because I'm 
leading a lot of the audience building, the, the marketing, the strategy aspects, and at the same time, building my personal brand as well. So if there's, if something happens like there's, this company is no more, meaning somebody bought it, I still have this expertise that I've built up, all of this, this knowledge, all of these connections. If anything else happens, I, I have these opportunities where I know I, I have the experience of not just integrating all kinds of tools and software and data and marketing strategies, but the implementation and the, the results to show for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really cool. And, and I love the fact that, so you, you know, you started off as, as, you know, a, a, an employee at a position and now you're kind of involved in building up a completely different company based on skill sets you learn there. And that is, you know, I, I interview a lot of, like I've said earlier, a lot of physical products, brand owners or, um, digital service, I, I guess, digital products, builders, digital service providers. Um, and, and this is a whole different, a whole different like branch of entrepreneurship that I don't think a lot of people really think about. And that's, that's building a company, um, based on a service like this, um, from, from the ground up and you were taking a completely different approach to it or a somewhat unique approach to it, which is really awesome. And you're going to get to the point where you, like you just said, you may sell the company. I mean, that's an, that's an entrepreneurial move right there. I'm um, trying to break people free from this digital entrepreneurship, uh, mindset where they, they think entrepreneur, and then they immediately think Amazon only, and then they immediately think building a brand and then selling it. That's a great path to go down. But, but what you're doing is it's in that space, but it's not, you know, the same kind of like, not that it's bad, but it's not the same cookie cutter amazon.com brand building path. You know, you're, you're fully involved in, in so many other components to that, which is, which is awesome. And you're not focusing on anything else really other than building your personal brand around your current position. Um, so that's great. So, uh, with that, I want to, I want to move on and ask you how many hours do you typically put in per day and how does that work with your family dynamic at home? Yeah. So that's, that's a great question because there's, this uh, this opportunity for me where, again, I said where I'm like, I'm building the, the company brand and the personal brand. And I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs probably go through this where they feel like they can always be thinking about work, right? And we have to learn how to either not do that. So if you're reading articles or you're listening to podcasts, you know, do you consider that work or not? <laughs> is that is that part of your... Personal, uh, personal development, <laughs> career development. <laughs> uh, you know, people have asked me that question when I when I ask uh, this particular question in the interview, and uh, it I guess it I guess it depends, but for the most part, I think self development is technically work for most of us. I mean, we are working for ourselves. We're we're building something for ourselves, kind of by ourselves in a lot of cases, and self development is a part of that. Um, but I would say in this particular case, you know, how many hours are you entirely focused on something very specific, like task related, something very specific, uh, that's, that's task related, not, you know, not personal development, but like, you know, getting the job done or analyzing data or 
or trying to figure out how to tweak something for one of the social media platforms or one of the, you know, one of the marketing campaigns that you're working on, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, how many hours a day would you say you spend doing that? And then, you know, when you, when, when you can step away, you know, approximately what time is that? And yeah. uh, how does that work at, at night with, you know, in the, or in the morning or w- in general with your family dynamic? Yeah, I would say it's actually uh, quite flexible and not as bad as what I've, what I've heard from other people <laughs> working at <laughs> a ton. So it's basically where, so in the, in the morning I have about an hour with my son because my wife she leaves to work earlier so I have to take take him to childcare and kind of during that time we spend an hour and at work it's actually quite flexible where there's maybe once a week just working from home or just kind of leaving if I, if I have something or I have a a meeting or something is coming up but it's I would say it's cl- it's close to like a nine to five job in terms of the time. It just doesn't feel like that because it's so flexible. Kind of you can work remotely anytime. So it's <laughs> it's about like seven to eight total hours. But inside of that, only half of that is where I'm actually uh, tweaking a, a campaign or analyzing data. The the other half of the time, it's more uh, strategic. Is where I'm trying to either learn about new tools, how can I integrate or make something more efficient? So it's more about where I have to think through stuff rather than doing and clicking <laughs> or actually writing something. So I would say about three to four hours for kind of like where I'm actually, it's like very task heavy and it's just like uh, time consuming work. And then the other three or four hours where it's it's making sure that those tasks are are meaningful that they're contributing to other things so that's where i'm kind of planning different things around that then uh, i i get home have about uh, at that point my wife picks up my son our son (laughs) and (laughs) (laughs) and then so this is something that i'm i'm trying to learn because he's one year old so not like i'm experienced in this but i feel like i've been doing this uh, much better like the past half a year and that's Spending about three to four hours at home and like totally with him, like not even checking the email or just like rarely, just like even though the computer is right there, going to the computer. But so about three to four hours, and then it's close to his bedtime. And my wife goes to bed because usually her work starts earlier. And then it, it depends how much brain power or mental capacity <laughs> I have, and that's anywhere between zero to three hours where I either comp- complete some task or plan for the next day or uh, kind of e- evaluate what happened or kind of do some learning, either some, some reading. So that adds up to a few more hours. So in total, if I combine all of those things that are work-related, even though it's you know all personal growth, kind of career growth, the actual work, it's definitely less than 10 hours a day. Yeah, but you have uh, you have a pretty, um, as far as entrepreneurs go, you have a a pretty common, pretty relatable, uh, like cluster of hours spread out throughout the day where, where you you might do something in the morning, maybe maybe not, uh, you know, maybe you hit the gym or whatever. And then you you have this bank of hours in the middle of the day where you just you know it's focus time and you're you're working hard and doing all you know whatever delivering, and then it's family time. Uh, kind of in the evening, you know, getting the kids ready for bed. But then 
but then you turn it up to 11 again and then it's go time again. And that's, that's really when the lead foot comes down and, you know, you might put in a few extra hours. Um, for me, those are, those are the most productive hours. A lot of times those, those late night ones, uh, where I've been thinking about something all day and it finally clicks and then it's pedal to the metal and kind of, uh, use that opportunity to make something happen. But, mm-hmm. um, but no, that's great though. That's, uh, that's, I've, I've heard the opposite as well, where, um, you know, the smartphones come out a lot, even when the kids are around and the laptops come out, even when the kids are around and, um, I'm not really an advocate, you know, this isn't a parenting podcast or anything. I'm not really <laughs> an advocate one way or the other. I've just, I, I am, I am curious and, um, and yeah, no, your, your situation sounds, it's, uh, it's very relatable and, um, it's, it's seems to work really well for you guys. And I, I am curious, um, so your, your, your son, he's a little guy, right? He's only, he's one now, right? You said, yeah, one year old. Yep. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Congratulations. Is he running yet? Oh yeah. He started <laughs> walking a couple of months ago. He's a, a early one, but he started waving late. So, you know, there's a physically started early, but other things he, he's still picking up, not talking yet, but yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he's, he's running around. He's that's <laughs> I do remember that that uh, those days. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. Actually, I found the one to two a little bit more difficult than the zero to one, um, just because you can't take your eyes off them. They could end up running down the stairs. You know, <laughs> you just got to be super careful. Uh, but that's awesome. So now he's you know he's young. Um, have you have you thought about? Um, maybe how your approach to, to parenting might be a little bit different now than it was maybe a year ago or two years ago, or when you were planning to have a baby, um, has your approach changed in terms of like how you would maybe prepare them for life, you know, in terms of like, you know, raising them, uh, talking about things like college, talking about entrepreneurship or, you know, jobs in general, um, has that changed at all? Or what, what is your outlook on that? Oh, yeah, absolutely, especially because in the past two years, that's where I've just had a completely different uh, mind shift, kind of world perspective of, of things that I've believed before. And in a way, it was an upgrade on top of that. Not like I then started believing completely different things. It was more kind of in a different perspective. So one year of those two years has been with him, and I've always been thinking about things that I I've learned growing up and how my perspective has shifted basically like every few years of my life. So when I'm thinking about how are, how are we going to raise him, it's, it's about being able to show, show him that things are always evolving. Kind of the things that you learn, it's, it's not set in stone because there's, uh, even right now, there's things I, I observe my son doing, and then I, I think about myself, like what, what does that mean to me? Things that he's doing. So, for example, <laughs> he, when when he was uh, before he was walking, he was trying to stand up, and he would fall, and he would do that over and over. <laughs> and you know, it's you're watching that, but you're thinking, this is what we're going through in life. We're always, you know, making this mistake, but you know, are we gonna? get up or try it again and that's how we learn so at one year old or or at eight months old when he started doing that he naturally knows to do that so that's it was kind of like a sign for me where 
well, these things that we, do we naturally know how to do them? At what point are we kind of trained not to do it or programmed not to know some of these things or kind of blinded, however it is, however we, we grow up? So it made me think about what do we naturally already know and how can I help bring that out into kind of out and kind of not hide any things that way he grows up to to uh, in a way that basically things aren't closed off for him in terms of like his mind and his perspective and, and mind shifts that I've went through in the past couple of years to make sure that uh, well that he <laughs> he has the capacity to, to know what's out there and without me telling him like, oh, I, like me as, a, as his father, I know what it's going to be like, which I, I never will because <laughs> even in the past two years, every six months I have, you know, eureka moments and again, mind shifts <laughs> and all of that. So kind of growing, having this environment for him where there's the capacity to always, always evolve and, and learn something new and not just knowledge, but more about uh, the worldview and kind of the, the things around you. Yeah, that's that's really well said. Uh, and you know, I don't want to get too philosophical here. This isn't supposed to be a lecture or anything. <laughs> you know, I'm not a doctor in philosophy, but I, I do love the point you brought up that uh, as as humans, right down at that at that primal level, uh, we are kind of um, just naturally able to try something and fail at it until we no longer fail at it over and over and over again until we're no, we no longer fail at it. And it, it seems like, like all the basic stuff, like walking, running, eating, you know, all that stuff, breathing underwater, you know, swimming, um, those things, we just, we just do it. Um, but then as we get a little bit older and become socialized and we are exposed to society and, and morals and things like that, uh, a lot of people lose that, that, ability to fail at something and then get back up and do it again. And, uh, and I think it's interesting you brought that up. No one's ever, no one's ever brought that up before, but I've always thought about that too. And, um, and it's really cool that you're thinking about that about your son who's only one now. And so you kind of have that perspective moving forward and he's got, you know, so many life changes coming up too. So it's, uh, that's, that's interesting. It's really cool. Uh, do you believe yeah. that, that failure is good? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just the the use of the word failure where, again, we're kind of trained to think what does that word mean? And it's it's implying something bad, but in a way, it's just the, it, it's the requirement of, of moving forward. So maybe just not saying failure, but it's, it's the step of taking action, learning from it, and then doing something better. Yeah. Because uh, that's what that's what the failure is in some people's perspective. It's how their mind allows them to think it could be failure, but to some it's just kind of like that step, which could be a little bit downhill, maybe uphill, but in the sum of five steps together, it's all uh, kind of pr progressing forward. So then maybe it's not even a success because then you have to evaluate, well, what is the goal of these steps and the mission of those steps, which it may be fake success anyway. So then it's kind of, it's really challenging to use the word failure and success. Yeah. Well, well, I think Ryan Moran says it pretty well. He says, um, he calls all that feedback and your feedback might come in the form of, of, you know, like no sales if you're you know selling products or it might come in the form of a, 
a negative review or something, or, you know, it might come in the form of a complete business collapse, but it's not really a failure unless you consider it a failure. It's more just like feedback, learning experience kind of thing. And I've always thought that was an interesting and pretty insightful way to look at it. Um, but I was just yeah. curious to your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it seems like a, a perfect opportunity for me to talk about just like the, before these past two years where I'm having semi-success, meaning I like, I, I feel like I'm closer to where I found the path and actually now able to take action. But before that I, I was struggling for, for basically my entire career or at, at least trying to figure out what I want to do. And it was 10 years of a very kind of like a, a academic experience. It was very structured. It was again, kind of being trained and kind of programmed to think a certain way doing that for 10 years and kind of having to break through that, but being able to see where, you know, that feedback kind of the things that you're getting, like when can you do kind of something else or something more? So being able to be aware of the things in your environment to, to know when you do need to do something different and kind of take that next step. Absolutely. I love it. Um, all right, well, we're getting up close to it, Yev. I, I just have a couple questions left. Um, yeah, sounds good. Uh, so this first one is, you know, looking back, uh, all the struggles that you had going into uh, your time at On The Grid and then leading into where you're at now, uh, would you have done an, every, anything different knowing what you know now? Yeah, that's the, that's a great question. I've been asking myself the past couple of years, and... So again, I, I'm in slightly of a, uh, I don't know how, how, ma how many of your listeners can relate to this, but for the 10 years, I was basically in an academic environment and I had a bunch of schooling. I had a master's degree, a PhD degree. So those are all things which to society could seem valuable, at least to, to some people. But I was always questioning myself, is it really worth anything? Because I ended up kind of transitioning from that. But at the same time, I know some people still value it. If they see my credentials, they're like, oh, well, maybe let me lis listen to what this guy's going to say. <laughs> <laughs> While I know for some, it doesn't matter. It's more about the results. It doesn't matter about credential as well. So that's why I'm very critiqueful of it as well, where I know that if I could have started on a different path and basically grown my way up through experience, and if no school at all, and I, I really appreciate some of the entrepreneurial learning I'm seeing and, and different people and case studies where they have no school, they kind of, they make it by failing and learning, taking action. And during the times when I've had these academic struggles, I'm like, why don't I just do that? I don't need these degrees. Like I actually like, I don't even remember all of most of these things that I was learning. <laughs> I have pretty bad memory. <laughs> so like, why don't I just do that? And for most of my life like that, but then in the past two years, it's where I didn't really even like use those credentials to get me further. It was more about having that type of uh, mindset and the way that I think, not, not like the entrepreneurial one, that kind of came uh, more recently, but more about the way that I look at data or information and always trying to be integrative or being innovative with it. That's how I was doing for 10 years, it was more in a small box, not in an entrepreneurial way, but that kind of got me to different opportunities. So it, it, in that case, 
I wouldn't do anything different because it, it got me to where I am now. So I, I definitely know that it, it, it happened for a reason and there's different things that I'm learning from it. And whether it's to pass it on to my son, <laughs> I don't know, tell him to like, don't go to school because that's what I did and you can do something <laughs> else. <laughs> I still haven't figured out that part. But yeah, I, that, that's really a hard question because there's these times when you have kind of these moments of success or, or kind of the, the highs and lows, the, the high part of it where it's worth it. That's why you know you're on the right path, but it's because of everything that was done before, even though there's like a lot of struggles. Yeah, uh, no, I, I agree. Um, I, <laughs> I can, I can kind of relate a little bit. Um, first of all, that's, that's pretty cool that you have a PhD. That's, uh, that is no matter how you slice it, that's kind of a prestigious move right there. Uh, I do not have a PhD, but I do have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. And while I'm glad that I got them, I don't value them nearly that much. And I don't think that they hold a candle to experience. And so um, uh -huh. I'm finding more and more entrepreneurs basically say the same thing. Uh, you don't need a master's. You certainly don't, you don't need a, a PhD or, or, or a bachelor's degree even to get involved in, in this world. And, um, so, you know, like I said, I, I, I'm glad I have them. Um, but if I didn't have them, I, I probably wouldn't be too upset about it either. Um, I yeah, I, I, I would have to, to totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think about my son too, and, and I'll be, I'll be pushing him along that, that direction, just kind of just to, to know that it's a stable one, but uh, the whole time, you know, I'm, I'm always going to push creativity and entrepreneurship and carving your own path and thinking about the lifestyle he really wants to live. And then, uh, making sure those are important to him and not just going and getting that piece of paper that's going to put him, you know, a quarter million dollars in debt. So, yeah. And you know, you, you mentioned before your engineering background and kind of your, your current work. So you're kind of dealing with engineers and it's, probably you're seeing a lot of the, the mindset, whether it's, it's being very analytical or very logical or kind of just like having these steps to, to do a task. And some of these degrees and the education, you know, they create smart people, but it, it doesn't mean, that, it depends what you mean on smart. Oh, no, right? we, we came out of school trained monkeys. You know, we just, we could do engineering, very specific, we will build this thing for you if you give us the requirements kind of engineering, you know, the creativity is not really there. It's, uh, it, it is, but it's very, very, uh, it's in, it's in a very close, like small closed box. We're not really allowed to think outside the box too much. Um, and that's, that's kind of the way that it is in my industry. Um, so yeah. I don't know, but you know, is that, is that, are you in engineering as well? Uh, no. So it was more in environmental science and, basically biology and st studying how organisms work, how the environment works, how they're all connected to each other. So that, that's the discipline, which it also gets very, uh, like very deep science, you know, what are the, the cells, the DNA? So there's definitely methods to it. And again, you're, you kind of, you're, you're trained to be an expert in that. And, but, but for me, when I was going through all of that, I was, having this perspective where I, I wanted to integrate different ideas together. So it was, you know, even though it was 
biology or environmental science, I was always bringing in other topics to it. So it's not just, uh, so for example, we focused on urban systems. So it's kind of like, what is the ecology in a city? And we would study, well, what are the microorganisms in the environment? So you collect some soil, some dirt, and if what's in there? And you know, you would take biologists, you would take chemists, you would measure, and you would say, well, here's what's exactly in there. So that's great that that's information, but to me it feels like, well, you can learn so much more about it. What if you bring other disciplines into it, whether it's sociologists, artists, anthropologists, how can you know even more about what's happening in that environment, that ecosystem, based on these other ways of knowing, knowing the world? Again, that's kind of going further away from just this kind of standard scientific, kind of this uh, very uh, logical uh, approach of, and being an expert in that area and trying to see kind of more comprehensive perspective. So my whole time in schooling, I was always with these perspectives of how can you connect other things in there. And again, I was struggling with that because you know, there were some other peers that were thinking in that way as well, but it wasn't the conventional thought. Like that's not how you do science. So in a way, like I felt very grateful that I was able to have opportunity to kind of do science in a way that kind of brought in other types of teachings. And maybe it was just kind of my perspective. Maybe that was my entrepreneur coming out, but I didn't know it. <laughs> yeah, so I for 10 so. years, <laughs> and then it, it took me two years to realize, well, sure, the, the environment, that's what I was studying, but I could s scale up anything, whether it's when I started learning marketing, where I could take, take this knowledge and connect different things together, whether it's business growth, different channels, and rather than kind of one approach. So like you were saying like the credentials like it feels like that that's not valuable to me it's more about the the perspective that i was taking and how i'm applying that today even though it has nothing to do with biology or science even though i kind of had interest in there one of those mind shifts was that well like that doesn't matter like i don't feel like i really care about it anymore it's more about now i have a different perspective where yes it's important but there's so much more out there to that yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. No, that's a whole different phase of your life. So, you know, kind of past that now, which is cool. Um, so I just I just have one more question. And uh, I, I want to let you know before I ask you this, that this has been this has been eye opening in, in a lot of ways. Um, so I didn't know the career changes that you had coming into this. And I didn't know exactly what you were doing, other than it was related to analytics and sort of marketing uh, strategy and stuff like that. And so it's, it's really cool to hear everything you're doing and it's very inspiring. I think a lot of people are going to get a tremendous amount of value out of this. And I think that is going to open up people's perspectives on what kind of goes into clever marketing strategies. So that's really cool. So thank you very much. And I want you to just for a minute, imagine yourself standing in a, like a function hall, and or on a stage and you're looking down and everyone that's in the crowd that's looking up at you uh, is a parent and you know they want to pursue some sort of entrepreneurial endeavor of some sort uh, but they feel like they're too constrained by you know, like time schedule all the the hindrances of being a parent things like that they're looking up at you and you're there what do you say to them Yeah, this it, it could get very philosophical, <laughs> uh, but but so well, there, there's two things. I don't think I'm gonna go the route of tactics where you know just like start a social media page or start start a blog page and 
over time it could lead, lead into something you just have to do it but so these I would people say, let me just rephrase so these 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 people they are all suffering from a serious mindset um a mindset set of handcuffs that yeah, are chaining them yeah. down i got you okay yeah so this is where i i would say because i went through this and it's having that awareness and it's it's when you want to do something or you have a feeling and it's about whether it's your career or your life and you're deciding you know the path that i'm on i'm on now the path that i want to be there's this feeling we occasionally get and it's it's trying to make a decision like is this right or not and it's paying attention to two different types of no's like like a yes or a no or two different types of yeses and that's basically where you want to do something and you have a good reaction and it's like oh like like no it's like uh, it's going to be hard but so i would say have awareness to know what type of no is it is it something that it's like it's it's the wrong path or it's 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 not really having the right answer like what is the right no it's just being aware of it and how that happened for me was it's where when i was working on all of the science i was trying to think well what direction of science do i want to go into and there's certain things i think about and i would like get this instant like no like i don't want to do like molecular stuff or like extracting dna and then i'm going to be sitting in the lab pipetting all of the time there's like this reaction where it's like <laughs> oh my gosh that's going to be i'm going to be a lab rat <laughs> studying lab rats or there's like this type of feeling and then there's another type of no and it's more about that mindset where like there's some sort of block there and it's telling you where i have an interest in it but for some reason I, i'm just hearing no in my head because there's excuses that are coming up or something else so it's just having that awareness that whenever you're you do want to do something just kind of pause there and think about it like what are, what are the feelings that you're getting why you're getting them the next step after that is like well yes i need to take action i need to go learn something maybe go on a sem seminar join join a group do something else but but before that you can even do that have that first step where you're evaluating yourself like these feelings that you're getting where you're in a certain career and you you like it or you don't like it why is that what's going to make that kind of shift in a little direction where you're going to like it a little bit more so so for me when I, when I was working on on the science the actual shift that I made before I got into marketing it was something that I was really interested in and I pushed it back for basically for 10 years it was studying science but integrating it with other perspectives so it's kind of getting into kind of different fields like i mentioned kind of how connecting biology with arts and humanities but you can even take that further to there's different consciousness science and understanding how how the brain works and how there's different wisdom and knowledge out there and how can you connect that with traditional science as soon as i started pursuing that i there's these opportunities open up and i didn't necessarily go in that path but i was open to seeing these opportunities of learning marketing and that kind of led me into the data science data manager position even though i didn't expect it but it was after i started making decisions where i was pushing this back for years now i just have to take action so it's basically in short my answer would be have that awareness that when you 
feel like there's going to be a struggle, is it something you've been pushing back? Then just do it. <laughs> if there's other reasons, then, well, then you kind of have to be a little bit extra aware kind of why that is. Why are you getting that no? Is it because you shouldn't do that because it's actually like your guidance, your intuition telling you, you know, just skip that? Or is it because you kind of need to push it a little bit, find out more and kind of go that route? But if it's something you've been pushing back, you've been interested in, it probably means like you need to pursue that further. So I would say just be aware of that feeling that you get. And the more you're aware of it, you're going to practice being even more aware of it and know how to interpret it better. I love it, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well said. Uh, all right. Well, Yev, hey, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I do want to post your uh, company website and any other outlets that you want in the show notes. So how can people go ahead and get in touch with you? Yeah. I if, So basically just either on Facebook or LinkedIn would be best. Just you can connect directly to me, Yev Marisenko. And if you want to follow along the brand, look at the different marketing strategies that we're working on, that's going to be myheroclip.com. So you can see our how we're creating value for different different audiences and kind of different strategies that we're using. So you can follow along there to kind of get look at the tactical things as well. And feel free to ask me any questions through Facebook or LinkedIn. I'd be happy to connect, especially if it's through through your podcast, your audience. So thank you for having me. That's uh, so cool of you. Thank you, Yev. Um, I'll post all of that information in the show notes. And just one more time. Thank you for so much for joining me on the podcast and I uh, think you're doing some really cool stuff. I can't wait to connect with you in the future and find out what has come of it. So thank you again. Thanks, Gordon. I appreciate the opportunity and you doing this, you know, kind of bringing in the, the, the parenting aspect as well. That's the whole different side of life and career that we're not really trained in or taught in. So we need to kind of educate ourselves <laughs> and have these opportunities. So thank you for that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hey, thank you one more time, my man. And I will talk to you soon. All right. See ya. All right. Take care. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes for an online kind of e-commerce brand. Even one of those brands that has the intention of wanting to be inside of a brick and mortar or a, like a physical store. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes as far as building the community, building the brand, building the awareness and the fan base that a lot of people probably don't think about and it's there's definitely not enough information on that when you start getting into this world and it was really cool to talk to Yev and kind of gain some insight and understanding as to how he thinks about it and some of the like the deep analytics that surround that kind of thing um, and the you know little tweaks that people could make here and there but also the overall strategy um, and, and why it's so important. So it was really cool to talk to him. I hope you guys got a lot of value out of that. It's definitely kind of, uh, in some ways, like a next level conversation. If you're just starting out, a lot of this may not make any sense, but if you're a little bit further along, I recommend listening to it maybe twice and taking some notes if you need to. And also, if you if you really need to or want to, and I recommend that you know if you're curious about these things that you do this, uh, reach out to Yev. He's more than willing to have a conversation with you and would love to help you with anything you're you're working on and i you know it's 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 a way to learn right seek those who know more about what you're trying to do and try to have a conversation and learn from that person so if you got any value out of this podcast episode whatsoever please review and subscribe on itunes stitcher or our website fitsuccessfuldad.com and also share it with somebody else who you think would also get value out of it 
And that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Take care. Take care.